0: Hey, everybody, this is Kamara McHale, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Kamara, the podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. So we're going to do chapter 50, and it's entitled Detoxification. So remember now, and I know I keep saying this, and I hate I keep saying it, but my book is in descending order. So the first chapter was actually chapter 66, and we're going on down. So now we're on chapter 50. Chapter 50 is entitled Detoxification. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading. So Friday, January 19th, 2018 at 3 p.m., I arrived, arrived at a detox facility in Spring Hill, Florida. There were a total of four patients there, including me, two early 20s ladies, and the other lady was a few years younger than me. We were all trying to get and do better for the long term. They introduced us to the counselors and staff. We had group activities and private sessions. We also had a personal chef that cooked all of the meals from scratch. The food and the employees were great. It was like being on vacation, so to speak. I didn't get get much sleep while I was there. Uh, As I was detoxing, the on-site doctor was uh, trying to give me something less potent but was hoping that I would get some rest. For the first three nights, I didn't sleep at all. The behavioral techs had to check on us every 15 minutes. I had to use the bathroom with the door cracked open, but I understood. So when this was going on, this was, I remember going to a court hearing with um, my soon to be ex-husband, Kyle. We, uh, so that day, uh, Emily, um, I was, I spent the night at her house and that way she could drive me to the courthouse the next day. So I had the day all planned. I was going to the courthouse I was going to, you know, do another mediation for the divorce and I was, uh, uh, Emily was going to pick me back up. So I already had my little suitcase packed because once she picked me up, she was taking me to Spring Hill. I think Spring Hill may be maybe 35, 40 minutes away from Tampa, maybe. So it wasn't far away, but it was definitely a different city. It was uh, Spring Hill. I remember, um, I even remember right after we came out of the hearing, the divorce hearing, uh, Kyle actually walked me, uh, you know, outside to wait for, uh, Emily to pick me up. You know, we were t- totally not living in the same house anymore. And I think I was very, uh, hopeful that day that I would not have to stay with anybody. I could actually be at, you know, a treatment facility. And I was, I was like inches closer to actually being, uh, almost divorced, uh, to Kyle, So I, w- I didn't feel really depressed that day. But I can tell you, I remember when Kyle came in that day, that morning to the mediation before I went to detox, I remember uh, talking to the um, the mediator. And we were like going back and forth with, uh, you know, numbers and stuff. And I just remember I was just tired. And I remember I was like, I said, could you go and get my husband for me? I just want to talk to him. She kind of looked at me. She goes, okay, I'll have to talk to his attorney I was like, it doesn't matter. He's still technically my husband. So she went, and uh, probably about five minutes went by. And I remember uh, he came in the room and he sat down. But he looked like a he looked like a person who was really nervous and somewhat scared in a sense. So um, I remember he sat down, and I think I spoke about it on somebody else's podcast. But I was literally I was so skinny. I was a little less than like a size four, my normal size. Now all my life pretty much was an eight. I was literally less than a size four. I want to say about a two. Um, And I didn't have many clothes because all my clothes were bigger because, you know, I was a normal, healthy size eight. And I just remember how he looked at me. Um, He didn't look at me demeaning or anything or being mean. He literally, I know he thought that I was terminally ill. I don't think he knew that the, that the, I think he knew I was depressed. He didn't know how bad the depression was. So, um, so like I said, he sat down and we're, um, I told him, I said, uh, I said, thank you for, you know, coming in here, at least not with your attorney. I said, and he goes, okay. He just looked at me. So he's looking so sad. I said, I just want to like clear the air. I said, um, now this is what's odd, but, I know that I didn't drive him to cheat. I know that. But I can tell you there are a few things I could have done differently. Uh, I remember once he wanted to go to Vegas. And, you know, we had the money back then. And I had already been once with uh, my son and my first husband, uh, London, we my son and I surprised London. My daughter, uh, she had moved out, but she couldn't come along. She had to work. So we went to Vegas. We surprised London and, uh, you know, booked a trip and went to Vegas. So when uh, Kyle said that he wanted to go to Vegas, I'm thinking he really wants to go with, you know, maybe his best friend or one of his friends or my nephew, uh, Dre, that, you know, they were really close. Uh, they got to know each other and they had this really great friendship, and I'm sure they still do. So, um, you know, Kyle was like, no, he goes, I, I want you to go. And I was like, I said, but I thought you'd have a better time with Dre or, you know, one of your friends. And he was like, no, he said, I want my wife to go. So I think I agreed to it back then. I was like, okay, but literally I remember calling Dre and I was like, Dre, you know, I'll pay for everything, but I want you to go to, you know, Vegas with, uh, you know, with, uh, Kyle and he was, was it Kyle? Yeah. Christopher was a preacher. I'm so sorry. So, um, I just remember things like that for him to say, you know, I don't want to go with them. I want to go, I want my, I want to go with my wife. So we never went, I'm not sure why, but when I think about it, no, that didn't make him cheap, but I for sure could have gone to Vegas with him for the weekend. Like, why did I think that he'd have a better time with my nephew or one of his, one of his friends. So that was wrong, you know, of me. Yes, that didn't make him cheat, but I was kind of in a um, state of uh, self discovery and really taking ownership of things that I might have not done right. Um, I think I was wrong, even though this benefited him. I think I was wrong when I told him, you know, you know, you can start your business, you know, you can, you can quit your business. I mean, sorry, quit your job and go full time with your business. And I was so happy to do that. And, you know, financially that was fine to do, but maybe he didn't, I know he took the business seriously, but maybe he didn't treat the business as he should have because he knew it was not on, he was not required to bring in money. I didn't expect that he would bring in money for at least the first one, two or three years. So that was wrong of me probably at some point he started feeling emasculated like the first husband London did. He never said that, you know, he, um, he felt emasculated, but I can tell you, uh, sometime after that when we still had to go to court and everything, I can tell you that, uh, that my second husband, Kyle told me in a a moment of honesty, he said, um, he said, I didn't like that we would uh, go on vacation he said, and I never knew how much money we had. And I was just like, what? Like, how could that be a thing? I never, I never hid money from him. I never was like, you know, I got to pay rent out of my own money. I got to pay for this. Never, ever, ever did I come to him in any kind of way like that. And even though by the time, you know, we were about to get, uh, you know, get divorced when I found out about the affair – I had never just like you know told him, "Oh, you know, I think you should have stayed at your day job and maybe, you know, or have a part-time job so I wouldn't have to do everything." So I think at some point that emasculation, but for him to say, "Man, I didn't know." I and I'm thinking to myself, even when I think about it now, I'm like, "He had a debit card for my business. He could have either, either asked me or actually went to an ATM. <laughs> That he had the card for, and just asked to see the bell. Like what? What? See, my my voice is going up octaves. I'm like, it, to me, it just makes no sense. And I think if a person is going to cheat, they're going to cheat anyway. I feel like that was just an excuse. Not that he couldn't feel that way, but why would you? Why would you say this after the fact? And I know some people. You know, I don't have any money. My financial life, my life has started over at least two or three times over the past, like, um, probably six years. Um, you know, in a different relationship, you know, I don't have money like I used to at all. It's like literally, and I know everybody knows that I date on Bumble, but if I ever get to a certain point with a guy, you know, cause some guys are like, you know, I want a woman who's fit. I ain't fit. I'm overweight, not terribly, but I'm, I'm still overweight. I don't have finances. you would think that a person who I'll be lord willing fifty seven years old on November fifteenth you would think that a person my age who has run you know a successful business before, you would think I would be better financially, but I'm not because I think when I was making a lot of money, I never expected it to end, never, so that money is gone. so when people say to me like, Oh wow, you know, I can't believe you spent that much money well you know, when I think about it, you didn't stop with your hand out. <laughs> it wasn't like, oh, Kamara, give me $2,000. Oh, maybe you shouldn't because you might need it later. No, nobody said that. So I get really aggravated, but I can tell you this. I know my daughter, she's told me, she's like, mommy, she's like, when you are on again with money, she said, I know you will be. She said, be careful with the people that you help and the decisions you cannot take care of the whole world. So I think about it, because in my brain, I'm like, oh, you know, uh, like right now, I'm planning something for my business, my speaking business. I'm not going to say what it is now, but it's big, and I'm excited. And when that actually comes into fruition over these next couple months, I got to expect that it's going to be successful, and I got to expect that, you know, I'm not doing this for free. The people who are going to do this with me, we're going to get paid. So I think I view money differently now before it came you know, during that time, it came at, in such a way that it was no thought about, you know, are we going to be able to pay the 2300 a month or, you know, the 400 or $350 in a car payment or 600 It was never that. It was we had plenty and we didn't live extravagant, but we enjoyed our lives financially back then. So I know, you know, I have to let that be. You know, I don't have that anymore, but it's always a time for recreating, redoing. And I'm grateful that God still blesses me with a mind of business. Almost everything I do, I'm thinking of a business angle of it, a business standpoint. You know, how do I promote my book? How do I promote my podcast? How do I, you know, get more speaking engagements? Everything to me is business, not in a way where it overpowers me as a person, but uh, a guy that I was talking to last night, you know, I, I sometimes go in TikTok and I'll DM, you know, some influencers and I'm like, hey, I'm Kamara. I wrote a book about my battle with depression. Are you, you know, would you like to do a collaboration? And literally, I'm like, for the people that respond, I'm like, man, I'm just a person who put say it that and talk text and DM. And people actually reach out to me and go, what do you mean by a collab? Or, you know, this is great. I've never done this before. Or, yeah, let's get together. And I can tell you, I probably in the past two months have done at least five of somebody else's podcasts. Uh, One guy, um, he has like a a show. It's not just uh, audio. It's a show. So I was on his show last week, Sunday night, and literally... We just talked, and he when he first called me, he was like, hey, you know, and he said his name. He said, I'm getting in touch with you because one thing to let them know that I'm serious is the fact that when I, you know, say, hey, I'm Kamara, wrote a book about depression, you know, would you like to do a collab? And then I literally, in their DM, I will give my web address and my phone number, and I think that lets them know I'm not somebody hiding behind the veil of social media. No, you can call me. That is my phone number for me. So this guy called me last night. I I can't remember where he was. I don't know if he was in New York or in uh, on the West Coast. I'm not quite sure. But literally, we spoke on the phone for an hour. So when he called me, of course, I know who he was. And I was like, hey. I said, hey, this is Kamara. You know, how can I help you or whatever? And he was like, hey, this is so-and-so. He goes, and I didn't know who he was. He goes, you DM me on TikTok. I'm like, oh, so that doesn't mean that I automatically know who that person is. In my brain, I've you know I've reached out to so many people, and then it's like, oh, this guy. We talked on the phone for an hour. At the tail end of that talk, I was like, I told him, I said, uh, you know, I'm putting together this thing, and we want to you know start it in February. He was like, I am in. These people don't even know me, but they tr- they are trusting my judgment. I've never, none of them know that way, way back in the day when I had a project management business that I actually would put together expos and, you know, conventions. And that was, it was all mine. I had it. I invited people. I had guest speakers and it's like whatever impression that they have, they're not questioning. They're not like, how much are we going to make? What are we? And it's like nothing like that. They are actually like it sounds good. I am in. So what do you think happened? I told him about that thing that I'm putting together and I can't wait to share it with you all. He was like, I'm in, he was like, just let me know what you need from me. I'm like, man. So I'm, I've, I got, um, I'm going for 12 people. I think I have nine or 10 confirmed, but hopefully maybe by the next podcast that I do, not the next one, but, uh, ones that's starting at the beginning of the year that I can actually tell you all what's going on. And I know I've, uh, like completely went away from chapter fifty detoxification. But that's why I always open the podcast with um with a paragraph or two of, of the book. And then when I'm talking, my mind goes to other things and I kinda go on a, a rant um about other stuff. But um yeah. So I just um I'm excited. You know what something I remember uh, Ian La um, said something before. She said, you have to be, she said, you can plan some stuff that's so serious that (laughs) this sounds stupid, but it's funny. It's true though. She said, your, your plans have to be so big that, she said, sometimes a little pee will drip out because you're, you're so engrossed and it's so overpowering. And I'm like, first, when I heard that a couple of years ago, I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. But she's the, just saying the, the complexity, the richness, the bigness of what you're planning. It's not no little thing that you're trying to put together. What I'm putting together with these other people is massive something I've never done before. And I can tell you a little bit. I remember when I was talking to the guy last night, I remember Tyler Perry. He was, did I say his name right? Tyler Perry. I remember him saying that he never got a seat at the table. So he built his own table. So I'm doing that in a different way, but just think when we create things, This is solely from what's in our, something God has blessed us with, what is in our mind, something where you can hardly sleep. I literally keep a pen and paper by me because I know either one, I'm not going to be able to go to sleep for some hours, or I'm going to wake up out of my sleep with something on my mind and I need to be able to write it down. I remember uh, when I was still engaged, me and the, the guy that I was with at the time, I remember he didn't understand. He goes, why were you up in the middle of the night over by the table, like in our bedroom? And I was like, what are you talking about? My thoughts would come so much where I would literally, I couldn't see in the dark, but I could feel for my pen in the paper. So I was literally writing on the paper knowing it was dark. I couldn't see, but I wanted to put those thoughts down because I would likely forget. So anyways, I'll end it there. Um, thank you so much for joining me. And uh, my podcast that you're listening to is called Conversations with Kamara k for conversations my media is a website kamaramichaelworldwide.com and on tiktok at kamaramichael and at kamaramichael4 thank you guys so much and i look forward to the next podcast thanks